Welcome to the Jesse Garcia Show, your half-hour home for politics, culture, and art. We come to you every week with a different story about your world. Today's guest is Andy Sampson, an LGBT activist who volunteers for PFLAG, which stands for Parents, Families, and Friends of Lesbians and Gays. For more than four decades, this nonprofit has been the first contact for many families dealing with the coming out process. Andy will share how the organization has adapted over the years and how its mission's grown. I want to thank all of you following Jesse Garcia's show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For more information about the show, visit jessegarciashow.com. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, about one in seven people in the United States who have HIV do not know they are HIV positive. Young people are the most likely to be unaware of their HIV infection. June 27 is National HIV Testing Day, an annual occasion to encourage people to get tested. The CDC recommends that everyone between the ages of 13 and 14 get tested, at least once as part of the routine health care. People with certain risk factors should get tested more often. People who test HIV positive can take medicines to stay healthy and greatly reduce their chance of transmitting the virus. People who test negative can continue to take steps to prevent HIV infection, such as always using a condom during sex. Find out where to get a free test today at gettested.cdc.gov. And here's your weekly news update. After several weeks of separating more than 2,300 children from border-crossing parents, the Trump administration has finally halted the practice with a hastily prepared executive order signed by the president this week. Trump's executive order ended future separation actions caused by the new zero-tolerance policy Attorney General Jeff Sessions implemented last month, which considers all border crossings criminal. Parents who are seeking asylum were apprehended and their children were taken away while they were entered into the legal process. But critics say the executive order is unacceptable because it has no plans for reunification of those children in the system, it now creates indefinite family jails, and it has no accountability for the abusers who created this monstrous policy in the first place. Tens of thousands of people have signed up for Saturday, June 30 rallies across the United States being organized by MoveOn.org and its partners. Included in the rally sites is Lafayette Park, directly across the White House, scheduled for 11 a.m. For more information on this rally and others taking place, visit FamiliesBelongTogether.org. When the first PFLAG chapter launched 45 years ago, disowning lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender relatives was commonplace. Schools expelled and punished LGBTQ students, turning a blind eye to bullying, discrimination, and harassment. Parental rejection is widely understood to be abusive and damaging, according to PFLAG, which boasts 400 chapters throughout the United States. For many families, P-Flag was the first contact with support, advocacy, and most of all, acceptance. On today's show, we'll speak to a volunteer, Andy Sampson, who once benefited from P-Flag as he was growing up and now supports the D.C. area chapters. 
We'll talk about how he is trying to bridge the cultural competency gap in order to serve more Spanish-speaking families in order to help children in need of hope. I want to welcome to the show a very good friend of mine, Andy Sampson, who I met when I first got here through the Latino GLBT History Project. He's been working in and out of this community, the whole Metroplex, really, because you work in Virginia. You've done a lot of work here in D.C. Welcome to the show, Andy. Thanks for having me, Jesse. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, you're here to talk about one of the organizations that you volunteer with on a regular basis, PFLAG. How, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with PFLAG. Definitely. So I am from the Midwest, from Wisconsin, and growing up a young gay boy in Wisconsin it was an interesting experience, not metropolitan, so resources were scarce. And one of the resources I found through some activism work was PFLAG. Um, and in getting involved with them, I found out about the ways in which the organization supports not only LGBT folks, but their friends and family. Um, and so I was really excited went to college, went home, moved to DC. And when I moved to DC, I've been doing some volunteer work and uh, was told that PFLAG was looking, the local PFLAG chapter, Metropolitan, the Metro DC PFLAG was looking for a treasurer. Skills that I have and happy to help out to continue to advance the programming with that organization. Why do you uh, choose PFLAG to be giving your time to? What are some of the things that the community organization does here locally and nationally that appeal to you? So Metro DC PFLAG is the DC capital area chapter of PFLAG, which is a national organization. The organization was um, created in the 70s by a bunch of moms in San Francisco looking for ways to support their gay sons. Since then, um, the organization itself was transferred from just parents, family, and friends of lesbians and gays, which is where the original acronym came from, to parents, family, and friends of the LGBT community. And the reason I was attracted to PFLAG is because I feel like the coming up process is more than just mine. It's my moms, my brothers, my grandparents, my coworkers, my faith leaders. Everyone kind of deals with the ways they interact with me. Um, and the support system for LGBT folks is generally there. There's still work to be done, but there's a lot more resources for folks who identify as LGBT than for those who interact with, on an interpersonal level, folks who are LGBT. What are the immediate needs of parents that come to PFLAG? And what age groups are you talking about? Because PFLAG, it's not only for kids, correct? So PFLAG is for, you know, the, the, as the name states, it's for uh, parents, family, and friends of the LGBT community. Our specific chapter actually has a couple youth groups, which is atypical of a PFLAG chapter. Um, but our focus is really on providing education, advocacy, and support to the families and friends of LGBT folks. So we have folks who come to us who are young parents, folks who come to us who are grandparents, folks who come to us who are faith leaders. We have people within the community um, who are some co-facilitators, who are on our board of directors, who really just want to be there so that a parent can come and say, hey, my 13-year-old son just came out to me. I have no idea what to do. What are the immediate needs? So I think a lot of the immediate needs are parents generally want to love their kids. Parents generally want to support their kids and don't know how. And so we grew up in a society that has expectations of parents. We grew up in a society that has expectations of kids. And so parents have kids and say, oh, there's male genitalia present. That's my son. Later find out that really their transgender daughter is a, is a woman. And then all of my expectations are shot. Yeah. 
so how do we support that? How do I support my child? Um, how do I educate myself? Because there's no parenting manual on trans identity, on LGB issues. That it's got to be one of the hardest jobs when you're um, for any parent, because um, you have all these books on how to raise kids, and you have all this family traditions that you, that are passed down, where you raise a little boy, you raise a little girl, you raise a baby, but if your kid comes out gay, you don't have a manual. Especially when I was growing up, well. You know, my my mom, she, I have to credit at how she just went with it. All these different things that she was experiencing that I was different. We didn't have that conversation until later coming out. But for that parent that's raising a gay child or a lesbian child or a trans child, it's just it's just so much that they don't have a manual to go by. I mean, there's probably books now, but they're not, you know, stuff that is readily available or shared among community. And that's a big part of it, is ensuring that we have resources. So PFLAG, the national chapter, produces some really great literature um, that we have available to our, to our, our members. Um, but also I think a bigger piece too is just figuring out how parents amongst themselves mm -hmm. can talk about things that have affected them, right? We have parents who've been the parent of openly LGBT people for 20 plus years and then we have parents whose kid just came out last week and so the parents who've got 20 years under their belt can say let me talk about my difficulties right like i first thought god was going to send my child to hell i first thought that my child was never going to get married i first thought that my child would be bullied in schools um but this is these are the ways that i saw that part partly through the way policy changes have happened with marriage equality with um, the ways in which school systems are embracing LGBT folks more openly, um, but also just talking to one another. You know, I, my, one of my favorite anecdotes is I had a mom come up to me and say, you know, my 14-year-old son wants to have a sleepover party. He identifies as gay. Last year when I didn't know he was gay, I would have been fine with it. But now that I know he's gay, I'm concerned that I'm hosting a 14-year-old orgy. And I don't know what to do about that because I don't want to steal his childhood from him for sleepover parties for 14-year-olds is a thing, and he should be able to do that. So I don't know how to even broach the subject. I don't know how to stop myself from thinking that orientation equals sex, necessarily. Yeah. Um, I don't really know where to go. And so she was able to get together with other parents who said, look, when we had that same conversation and we talked about sleeping with doors open, we talked about what our family morals are with regards to sex and sexuality, we talked about safer sex and understanding that in an ideal world, when our child is emotionally ready to handle physical sexual activity, that they'll do that. But we know kids, that's not gonna happen. So if they are going to assume the risk of sexual activity, that they do so safely. So these meetings that happen, PFLAG meetings, it's basically a safe space. It's sort of like the people leading this meeting, are they other parents? So we have 18 community groups that meet around the DMV. Um, all of our facilitators are trained in a facilitation training um, and our background checked, which is part of our process. And so we work on empowering our facilitators to ask questions and to be very Socratic in the way that they move the conversations along. Um, we don't shut people down. We don't tell people their ideas are dumb. We could vehemently disagree with them. We've had parents show up and say, I'm here just to figure out how you all can deal with your sinning children. And that's a really hard place to start with. But 
our our facilitators are volunteers and they're trained to ask questions and say, I hear what you're saying. Help me understand where that perspective comes from. Help me understand why um, that's a belief that you hold. And then other parents can respond with, that was my belief too, but here's why that changed. What are some of the misconceptions that parents have when they're raising a gay kid? Aside from like equating orientation to sex. So I think there's orientation, that, that's, that's a big piece. I think there's issues that are, that are still real issues for the community, employment discrimination, um, discrimination in marriage, which is finally out the door, hopefully. <laughs> um, adoption, children, I, they wanna have grandbabies, you know, and, and so what does that mean? Um, housing, employment, I mean, just their ability to be happy and healthy and fully realized citizens. If someone wanted to get in touch with PFLAG, their local chapter, they just have to go to the website and there's a listing of locations? So on our website, which is pflagdc.org, we have a list of our 18 community groups that meet. Um, they generally meet about once a month, and you can see those there. There's also our contact information with regards to our telephone number and our email address. We have a part-time paid admin who helps to field those calls and get folks connected to the right resources. Um, we also do programming throughout the year. Clearly, Pride season just ending up with DC Pride. We were out and about doing everything there, um, but we have other events that come up, we'll be involved in Northern Virginia Pride and some other events throughout the summer. So our phone number is 202-638-3852, and our email address is info, I-N-F-O, at pflagdc.org. Andy, what is PFLAG doing to help with cultural competency? I know there's a lot of a larger immigrant population that you're, you, that's here in D.C., and a lot of children are, had a guest on prior a lot of these children from immigrant families are being kicked out because they just don't understand that it's different in America. Children are seeing a lot of positive images of LGBT people. And they're experiencing those images. So they themselves are coming out at such a younger age. And parents are not, um, they're not there yet. How are we addressing the needs of Spanish speaking parents? So definitely one of the opportunities of our organization. When I came on the board, um, I've been on the board now for about three years on the board of directors, and one of my goals was to increase Spanish language facilitation in groups generally. Um, given the large geographic area we cover, we've had a little bit of challenges in figuring out where to pool resources to meet the needs of the community. But I helped to co-facilitate a Spanish language parents group that meets in DC. Um, the meetings have, due to attendance, kind of fizzled out a little bit, but we're hoping to continue to grow that capacity um, in Virginia, in DC, and in Maryland, but understanding the different cultural competencies as well. Um, when it comes to issues of machismo, when it comes to issues of expectativas, when it comes to issues of mijo, mijo, no mija, um, figuring out ways to educate parents and so ensuring that we've got language access, you know, all of our resources. Fortunately, the national chapter of PFLAG has produced a majority of their literature in Spanish as well, which is decent translation of not just a straight translation, but actually, you know, makes sense when you read it. Um, knowing that as a board member, if, if we get a call that's in Spanish, I get a message and say, can you please call this person back? And I, as a Spanish speaker on our board, can call back and say, bueno, señora, me dijeron que usted llamó para hablar de sobre su hijo, and then have that conversation with her and hopefully connect her to the right resources. 
PFLAG's been around for like 45 years. And it's not only been such a, a place for, to, for parents to get help, but it's also advocacy. There's an advocacy arm to it. What are some of the major things you all are doing in Washington, D.C. to change the conversation? So we, um, in, in Washington, D.C., we've been really involved in education policy. Um, our Maryland advocacy chair, David, has been incredible in the way that he's advocated on behalf of trans students in, with regards to restroom and locker room access in Montgomery County, which has been wonderful. Um, we were not directly, but somewhat connected to the Gavin Grimm case in Virginia um, through our Virginia advocacy chair and helping to support where we can there and providing statements, um, being aware of different advocacy avenues that are out there and ensuring that, especially for the most part, education policy, that we're partnering with our local schools to ensure that trans students are set up for success. They're in school to learn. And so any restrictions to access on restrooms, restrictions to access on education, if we're talking about a sex ed curriculum to ensure that it includes trans identity and LGB identities, um, if, if students don't see themselves reflected in their educational policies, they're not going to succeed. If an ally is listening to this and they want to help, they feel moved by what the work that PFLAG does, how can they help, even if they're not a parent of a gay kid? How can they assist y'all's mission? Absolutely. So I remind everyone, parent, family, and friends, right? So it's not just that you have to have a direct relative. If you feel passionate about this issue, um, which is the support of families and keeping families together, which is our DC tagline for our DC chapter is keeping families together. There are ways to get involved um, with every organization. We're a nonprofit on a strict budget. And so financial help is always welcome. Um, I know sometimes- You're the treasurer, you should know. I am the treasurer. So I know sometimes if you don't have the time and energy to give, a check helps. Um, and, so and it's 501c3. We are a 501c3, so it's all tax deductible. So you can go to our website, pflagdc.org, and click on the Donate button. You can give us financial resources there. You can email us about becoming a facilitator or being involved in our programming. Um, and even issues as clerical work, if you have back, you know, if you have any history with accounting work or history even just in cleaning the office, helping us archive stuff. I mean, everyone forgets that altruistic organizations like ours still have office needs. Um, donations, if you have a certain skill set and you want to donate catering services for an event or you want to donate graphic design services for flyers and publications, all of those are, are welcome, um, welcome donations to the organization in terms of time in-kind or financial donations. Well, thank you so much, Andy, for coming on the show and letting us know about the wonderful work of PFLAG. Hopefully, we'll inspire some people to make those connections and be involved with these families. Thank you so much for having us, and, and we look really forward to hopefully hearing from some of your listeners who are interested in getting involved in the D.C. metro area.